0: Good to have you here with us today. My name is Tim and welcome to Greater Alton Church. And uh, if it's your first time here, sit back and relax and uh, hope you'll uh, be encouraged today as we are getting closer to Christmas. Can you believe it's a week away? Just a week away. You know, next Sunday at 7 p.m., not 10 a.m., but 7 p.m., we're going to be meeting here at the Greater Alton campus to celebrate Christmas together with a candlelight service. Uh, Some of our kids are going to be singing and we're going to be singing with them and just uh, celebrate and worship together uh, as God's family. Hope you can join us. Also, in your bulletin, I want to point out something else. And there's a New Year's Day breakfast. That's New Year's Day. You say, well, breakfast is earlier than 10. We're having to get a 10 because we're probably sleeping in, some of us. Uh, but we'll be meeting here. We're going to turn our auditorium into a nice banquet hall with some tables. And we're having Julia's come. And they're going to be catering for us a wonderful breakfast together as we ring in the new year. And we'll have a worship service as well following our breakfast together. And I hope you can do something about that and and sign up because we're needing that head count. If you haven't bought tickets, you can buy them at the Welcome Center. Or you can sign up on our church center app that you have if you're a member here. Okay, so here we are. Christmas is coming. I don't know how you are with getting ready. Somebody asked me before services, uh, a couple of ladies were asking me, have you been shopping? Of course I've been shopping, and Amazon's visiting us at our house every day. We're on a first-name basis now. I mean, it's like crazy, isn't it? Uh, you're driving through the... If you drive through the town... Walmart is crowded, Farm and Home is crowded, Lowe's is crowded. Imagine that. Home Depot. There are all these places. Restaurants are crowded. Everybody's out and about. What's going on here? I mean, I got places to go and I'm fighting traffic. Well, it's because it's Christmas and everybody is getting geared up and excited about the season. Here in this series, we've been looking at this idea of what is the real reason, the ultimate reason behind Christmas. And, uh, you'll see people talking about that. They'll talk about Christmas, you know, keeping Christ in Christmas and, and things of that nature. And then you hear some people say, well, the reason for Christmas is to get together with family and friends or Santa and Rudolph. And, and there's a lot of family tradition that surrounds the most popular holiday of the year, Christmas time. What we've been looking at is this idea of Christmas and the idea of how we are a part of this reason, that if you were to talk to the Lord, talk to God, he would say the reason for this season is to have a relationship with us. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. Here's uh, in, in Matthew 1. This is the passage here on your notes as well as up on the screen if you'd like to read along that we've been looking at each week. Uh, an angelist, or in a, in a vision, is speaking to Joseph, and he says these words to Joseph, uh, who is pledged to be mar- uh, to get married to Mary. It says he says to her, uh, to him, she will give birth to a son, and you'll give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. He's talking about Isaiah here, Isaiah seven fourteen. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I don't know what your plans are this Christmas, but it was God's plan to come to this earth. He had a reason for coming to this earth. Look at this passage here in Galatians 4. But when the right time came, the time God decided on, he sent his son. And notice what it says, born of a woman and born as a Jew. God had the right time down. He had fixed a time. He had planned that time. And it was a perfect time. He wasn't too early. He wasn't too late. He was right on time, the time he decided. He sends Jesus. And then then Paul reminds Timothy here in First Timothy 3, God's plan is very great, as we all know. And here it is. We saw God as a man. God's spirit proved he was right. Angels saw him. The nations were told about him. And catch this people of the world believed in him. God took him up into heaven. So it was God's plan to be with us. He came for a reason. And I want to share with you, I believe, four reasons why God came to be with us, why Jesus was born. Let's look at these reasons. Reason number one, to experience God's love. You know, Christmas is about God's love. In fact, it's about love, period. It's about family. It's about relationships. It's about about getting together, being home for Christmas. And we'll do just about anything, when you stop and think about it, to make sure we're home for the holidays, am I right? All of us probably have horror stories. We fought snowstorms, ice, closed roads, breakdowns, flat tires, just to get to grandmother's house. That song, Over the River and Through the Woods, is, is a lie. There's a lot more to it to get to grandmother's house, okay? A lot more going on there. And all of us can probably share, I remember one time coming, uh, c- during the Christmas season, driving in our, our our small car with my two boys and as babies, and the windshield wiper comes off the windshield because it was an ice storm. So I put one of those jersey, brown jersey cloth gloves on the arm, and it's doing this. And it's giving me this much room, and I'm white-knuckled. And Denise is like, are we going to make it? I don't know. I hope so. Merry Christmas. But we all can know of moments like that. We'll travel hundreds, thousands of miles. We will go go through any element that faces us. We'll spend large amounts of money. I'm telling you, I don't know if anybody else has Amazon come to the house nearly every day, but I do. And we're trying to get the best deals and And I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, this year it's estimated that Americans will spend $960 billion just on Christmas. I mean, we will spend the money for the extra shipping to get it here before Christmas. We'll even spend the list price. We don't care. We gotta have that. And not only that, we will, we will, if we go home for the holidays, we will sleep in the bed we slept in when we were teenagers or on the floor. Am I right? Or maybe sometimes we'll, we'll even, we'll even uh, share, we give up privacy, in other words. We share that bathroom, that one bathroom. And why is it, for me personally, I don't know why, why it was when we go to Bone Gap, the toilet never flushed right when I used it, and there was never a plunger. It was just a nightmare. So, But I put up with it. I put up with it. I knew that was going to happen every year. We will do anything. Anything to be home for the holidays because love mot- motivates us. It's because of love. Well, listen, God feels the exact same way. That's what Christmas is about. He loves us so much that he traveled from heaven to earth. He, and he, does, he, does he sacrifice anything? Oh, yeah, he gives up a lot of things. He comes from perfect heaven to this crazy, mixed-up, broken world. And he doesn't spend just twenty minutes or a weekend. He spends thirty-three years on this planet, amongst us, living amongst us, teaching us, listening to us. Look at the Bible says here in John three sixteen. God loved the world this way. He gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. And John repeats almost repeats this in First John here in your notes. It says, here is how God showed His love. Notice it says, among us. He sent the one and only Son of the world. He sent Him so we could receive life through Him. That's how strong God's love is. How does He show it? He sends, he sends His Son. He travels a long way. He gives up status and privacy. Oh, believe me, lots of privacy there. He eats and sleeps among us for years. And after Christmas... He pays off a debt that we've maxed out. Stop and think about that. Even after Christmas, Jesus is taking care of us. And why would he do that? What's his big reason for that? For just the chance to have a relationship with you and I. Just the chance, just the opportunity. That's that's the first reason for Christmas. That's the first reason that... God came among us because He just desperately loves us. Here's reason number two. And this is so I know this, I know this, to never, to know I am never alone. I've really appreciated the worship team singing that song, Always With You, because that's really one of the promises that is made at Christmas. One of the biggest promises in the Bible is this idea of God being with us. So we're never alone. Even at the beginning, Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were, were not alone. God was, a, was with them. And, and, you, and throughout the Bible, you see this promise, this reassuring promise that, hey, you're never alone. You're not alone. I will be with you. In Deuteronomy 31, the uh, Israelites are about to go into the promised land. Moses is about to die and Joshua is going to take over leadership. And just before they go... He pulls uh, Moses pulls Joshua aside and he says these words to him. Be strong and brave. Don't be afraid of them. He's talking about the kings and the nations across the river there. And don't be frightened. Why? Because the Lord your God will go with you. He will not leave you or forget you. Psalms 139. Here's another theme of this idea of God always being with us. This is David speaking. He goes, I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much. Too wonderful. I can't take it all in. And when you get in the New Testament, especially in the book of Matthew, we just read about this idea of Emmanuel being God with us. That's how Matthew begins. But look how Matthew ends. Look how uh, the book ends. Jesus says these words, You can be sure that I'm always with you to the very end. Now here's what I notice, church. That Christmas doesn't put my problems on hold. Have you ever noticed that? In fact, I wonder sometimes if, if, if um, we just notice them more. I don't know. If that, they seem to be all year. But Christmas doesn't say, okay, we're going to put your problems on hold while you celebrate Christmas. We all could share painful moments that happened on Christmas or Christmas Eve or during the Christmas season. Am I right about that? We all can think of moments. I lost my grandfather, my last grandfather, lost him on Christmas, on a Christmas Eve. And that that affected our family for quite some time. People get sick. There's people in the hospital. Hospitals don't empty during the Christmas season. In fact, they seem to fill up. Things break down, cars break down, we get bills, things don't work right. And there's always, if that doesn't happen, there's always, you can rely on this, family drama of some sort, family tension. And Christmas does not, listen, Christmas does not promise to take away those difficulties. But Christmas promises that God won't be away either, though. He will be right there. It makes that clear. He's with us. He's with you. I know right now, for some of us here, Christmas can be a lonely time, a very lonely time. And you may be feeling feeling that way this Christmas season. And I just want to say to you, first of all, I've, I, all of us here, every one of us here has felt that from time to time. But I want to, wanted to encourage you to remember, don't let your feeling override the fact and your faith that tells you from the scriptures that God is with you. You may feel alone, but doesn't mean you are. Because he promises to be with you through Christmas. He's basically, God is saying, I think during Christmas, he's saying to you and I, especially, I think he says to me, Tim, I'm not going anywhere. You can count on that. And if you're feeling this way this morning again, I just want to encourage you to remember that's a feeling. It's not a fact. See, there's no place, and there's no problem, and there's no time you're really alone. He came for this reason, to always be with you. Now you say, well, I've heard this before. It's about God's love, and it's about God's presence. And we've talked about this quite a bit, because after all, if you're going to talk about Emmanuel, you've got to talk about him being with us. And it's the antidote of loneliness. But there's a third reason, and that's to rescue me from doom. What's the third reason for, for, for uh, God bring it, sending his son and God coming down as Jesus? is to rescue you and I, to rescue us from doom. Ran across this story this week on December uh, 24th, 1956. A woman by the name of Judy Karras was three months old. And her father had went in to take a shower. And when he came back out, Judy uh, and her mother were missing what happened was her mother who suffered from bipolar depression jumped off a nearby Shelby uh, Street bridge into the icy waters of a river. There were some fellows that were working on the bridge, some engineers, and one of them, by the na- a guy by the name of Harold that heard someone say, Save my baby. Save my baby. Here's a picture of, of them getting um, Judy's mother and this baby to shore. And uh, the guy that's, kneeled down with a wristwatch. Our, his back to that's Harold. 60 years later, they would reunite. During that time, Judy would discover who it, who it was and found found one of the men. This particular man who carried her up as, at three months carried her up the bank, heard a gurgle and went, "Oh my goodness, she's alive!" They saved her mother. They saved the baby. She says, "My mother." Uh, at, with, with, uh, treatment and help, lived a good, full, and happy life. Praise God. But 60 years later, she would finally find and track down Harold. Here's a picture of them together. One of the things I thought was interesting about this was, is, is that, uh, she's telling, telling Harold in an interview at NPR that, she didn't know for 20 some years, uh, what really happened. And it explained why every year during Christmas, if her father hugged her, he would hug her a little tighter and hold her a little longer than normal. In this interview, she's talking to Harold and she's telling Harold, because you know, I, this is what I thought was a pivotal statement. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. You're my hero. And he's Harold's like, oh, I don't know, thank you, but no, I'm no hero. And yes, he is. Christmas Eve, this woman's life was saved. Christmas is a rescue mission. Christmas is a rescue mission to save you and I. You see, God saw your helplessness, my helplessness, our hopelessness, in the icy waters of humanity and sin, in a broken world. And he would dive into this world and save us from this. He came for that reason. Look at again, Matthew 1, this is our passage. The angel says to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He says, in This will be fulfilled when this baby is born. Days later, Mary and Joseph are in the temple courts. And a man by the name of Simeon walks up to them. And look at the words of Simeon. After he praises God, he says, I have seen with with my own eyes. He's saying to God, how you will save your people. Now all people can see your plan what is god 's plan what your what 's your reason tim I, I I came to earth because I love you I love everyone i i I came to earth because I love the earth I came on earth so you 'd never wonder if you 're ever alone i 'll always be with you and I came to rescue I came to rescue people that are doomed and church I want you to think about this. I think about this. I would not be here. You would not be here. We would not be here if it weren't for Emmanuel. He is the hero because he came to save you and I. There's a fourth reason and that is to define who I am to worship. Worship seems to be the theme during this first Christmas story, you find lots of people worshiping. What does it mean to worship? Worship means devoted devotion and reverence to a divine being. That's what it means to worship. It's devotion and reverence to a divine meaning. In other words, another way to say worship is what I give most of my time and most of my attention to. Not something that just grabs my attention, but holds my attention. Not something that just takes a t- some time here and there, but is captures my schedule, captures my plans, holds time. I want you to know, worship is not a religious ritual. I know a lot of people got this idea. Well, it must be some kind of a ritual that we do. A lot of people, I, I used to believe that, and it's not really. It's not based on some fancy words or some ritual that you some prayer you mumble, or some religious jargon. It's just simply recognizing that Jesus is the one and only. That's all. And you can worship in so many different ways, because we see this throughout the Bible. People worship Jesus in so many different ways, but they recognized him as for who he was. One time, Jesus was uh, in the wilderness, and Satan had uh, te- was tempting him, and one of the ways he tempted him, he said, "Look at everything, all the stuff of the world. It can be yours. All you got to do is just bow down, take a few minutes, bow and worship me." And Jesus says these words. He told him, "The scriptures say, in other words, the Bible says, worship only the only the Lord God, obey only Him, worship God only, serve Him." only. And when you read, this, read about the Christmas, that's this first Christmas story that's captured in the Gospels, you get this idea that worship is in this first Christmas. For example, we know about the wise men in Matthew 2. Look at this. They ask a question to King Herod, where's the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So these men traveled from the east. They traveled thousands of miles, and they're coming to worship. And notice it says we're looking for the king of the Jews. Now Herod is the king. At the time, what king is referring to here? Well, the first king, the first king in Israel was Saul. No, he wasn't. That, that, a lot of people say. Well, who's the, if you ask a trivia question, who was the first king of Israel? <clears throat> Saul. You'd be. You. Everybody would say you're right. Actually, the first king of Israel was not Saul. You see, Israel already had a king, that king was Almighty God. If you remember, Israel wanted a king like everybody else. We want a king like all the other nations. why he already got one, but we want we want one like them. Oh, okay, well you 're going to get one then, and guess what you just you just inherited a whirlwind of problems. And so when these wise men are asking we, we're right here to worship the king of the Jews, they're not talking about a king that's on a throne on earth, but a throne in heaven. And they're wanting to worship him. And look how they worship him on coming to the house. It, take, it takes them a couple of years to find him. Uh, coming to his house, they saw a child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I said this a few minutes ago, and it's true. We hear this cliche. I don't know who first said it. Was it a preacher? Was it a grandmother? Was it a Christian? Or somebody once time. Whoever said it first went like this: Let's remember to keep Christ in Christmas. You'll see that all on signs now. Let's remember. You don't hear that in Easter, folks. You ever heard a preacher ever say, "Let's keep Christ in Easter"? It's Christmas. Why? Because for a lot of people. Christmas can become about something else. It really can. I was uh, going through uh, and looking at sermons. Anything that had anything to do with God with us, I was trying to listen to all these guys. That's what preachers do. We listen to each other. We steal material. We're great thieves. And one of the things that I, found, I come across was a guy named Vody Bachman, and, and uh, he is, he's written a book called Fault Lines. It's on racism. I think we even have it at the bookstore if you ever want to get it. Great book. Great book on racism. And in this little, little uh, presentation, he shared an inter- interesting observation, and that is that everybody loves Christmas. And that's true. Worldwide. It is the number one holiday. Everybody is. Lights are up. Trees are up. And he says, everybody loves Christmas. And he says this, just as long as we're not too clear of who and what it's about. And then he gave this Example. The most expensive Christmas tree in the world. From 20, to 2010 to 2019, the most expensive Christmas tree in the world was over $11 million. It was decorated with rubies and jewels and real gold, you know. None of this cheap stuff. No Hallmark ornaments on this tree, folks. I mean, this had the big stuff. Rolex watches are hanging from this tree. And guess where it is? In Abu Dhabi a Muslim country. If they knew what that tree was really about, they'd burn it down. In a Muslim country, the most expensive Christmas tree in the world sets. You know, Muslims... In a in ninety ninety over ninety seven percent Muslim this country is they downplay christianity they they don't encourage Christianity in some places it 's even against the law. why because Christians treat Jesus as God that 's the problem. See everybody loves Christmas. as long as we're not real clear of who and what it's really about. And you know, Muslims maybe are missing it, okay, or or maybe they are missing it, but a lot of Christians can miss this too. We just get so caught up in everything else. And I I love everything else. I bet you I got more Christmas lights on at my house than anybody here. In fact, I bet you more than... These two sections combined. I got a lot of lights. My grandkids go, wow, Grandpa, you're crazy. We, I love, and some of you, I know have, some of you have more Christmas trees than me. Some of you are crazy enough to have them almost in every room. I think that's an illness, but I don't know. I know we all, we all, we all, you know, we, I love that stuff. I watched A Christmas Carol. I've got it on my DVR. Can't wait to watch it. I love watching It's a Wonderful Life. It's my favorite movie by far. I love having the grandkids and watching them open presents and go, oh wow. You know, and those meals and smell of turkey or ham or whatever we have. And I know a family has spaghetti for Christmas. Knock yourselves out. But I mean, we go see Christmas lights. I love all that stuff. And if I'm not careful, I can miss it. Because if it's about God's love, I got to share God's love. If it's about God's presence, I need to be present in other people's lives. I need to be around. You following me? And if it's about saving people, What am I doing to bring people to Jesus Christ? And if it's about worship, and it is, then what do I, how do I worship? What am I worshiping? What's it really about? See, when Jesus came, God sent his son, sent himself in the flesh to make some things really clear. Jesus revealed clear evidence that God existed. Jesus showed us what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus Christ. That's how He would, that's how He thinks, that's how He talks, that's how He feels about things. What's important to Him, what He values. Jesus expresses God's love better than anyone ever has. Would you agree with that? Of course. And he makes it real clear. This is how much, how much God loves you. Dies on a cross. Greater love has no man than lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said those words. And he's right. There's no greater love. And he laid down his life for you and I. He reveals God's plan crystal clear over and over again. What he's, what, what God really wants to do with you and I. And he, listen, he clearly communicates God's truth. He says things like this. I'm not talking about, I'm not saying stuff based on my own words. I'm saying what the Father wants me to say. In fact, I'm saying exactly what the Father wants me to say. You want to know what's true, really true? Look at the words of Jesus Christ. You get God's truth. And most of all, Jesus displays the power of God when He resurrects from the dead. Now, why do I saying all that? Because this is who was born on Christmas. And my worship, your worship, our worship of Jesus Christ, of God in the flesh, is determined on how much or whether or not I believe who Jesus really is. You say, well, Tim, yeah, sure, I, I get this. I think we have to get back and really look at the basics here on this. Because my worship displays what I really think of Jesus, what I'm presently doing with my time, with my treasures, with my talents. You see, God came to this earth. He came to this earth to shape your faith and my faith To be more than admiration. To admire Jesus as a great teacher, or a prophet, or a good person. He says, oh no, I'm much more than that. I don't want your admiration. No, I came, I came to be adored. And that's another word for worship. To be adored. And doesn't he deserve our adoration? Absolutely. And so you see this idea of worship going on with Jesus. Remember, he said these words, you only worship God. He said, he said that to Satan, you only worship God. And then you see throughout the Christmas story, all this, all these moments of worship. Shepherds are praising God at the manger. Simeon is praising God at the temple. This, Right there in front of Jesus going, Man, this is awesome. A woman, a prophetess by the name of Anna, praising God, thanking God. The worship you see in these people is gratitude. And recognizing who Jesus is, the promised Messiah. But then there, later on, there's crowds of people. And, and as Jesus is coming down the street, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And you know what that word is referring to? It's a word we use for worship. The Jews used as an expression of worship. The disciples after a storm and they go through, I mean, it's not so. And they watch Jesus walk on the water. It says, the Bible says that they fell at his feet and worshiped him. The women at the tomb, they recognize Jesus. They've been looking for him. Then they recognize Jesus and the Bible says they fall to his feet. And worship Him. And Thomas, that doubting guy that's not sure if Jesus resurrected or not, sees Christ Himself with His own eyes. Jesus says, put your, put your fingers here. Put your hand here. He takes some food and eats it. It's really me. And Thomas is like, my Lord and my God. falls at His feet. My Lord and my God. And then Revelation wraps it up. Early in Revelation, you have 24 elders. They have crowns on their heads. And the Bible says in Revelation 2 that they take their crowns off, which is a gesture of surrender, and they cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Great reverence, great devotion. Jesus never refused worship. Did you notice that? Disciples did. Get up. I'm not. No, 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 no! don't worship me. Get up, get up, get up. I'm just a man. Only in the Bible you find throughout the Bible. Anyone that was worshiped was God. And Jesus doesn't refuse it. So the question I have for you as we close this lesson this morning is how will you worship Emmanuel? As you're making your plans this week, and I'll tell you, I I want to say this. uh, This isn't an attempt to spoil your Christmas holiday, church. (laughs) You know, how am I going to worship Emmanuel when I'm with my grandbabies? At Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be talking about Jesus. When I'm with my wife, we're going to talk about, isn't it awesome that God is with us? And and when I'm with you and when we get together next Sunday and we worship and celebrate, it's going to be about Emmanuel, not about Santa. I love Santa, but Emmanuel kind of, he's much better. How do you plan to worship Emmanuel? Shepherds gave praise. Wise men gave their treasures. Disciples gave their lives. A living sacrifice. What will your worship look like? See, as you make plans, as you make plans to be with those you love, remember God's plan to be with you. As you fight the traffic or the elements, think of God's journey. As you spend your money, remember the price He paid for you. And when it's quiet, because you're going to have that finally. The kids are going to be gone. Everybody's going to be in bed. It's going to be real quiet. And when you feel or find yourself alone, be aware He is right there with you. He doesn't want to leave you. And if there's any distance, it's not going to be His fault. Because He wants to be with you that much. And I just want to say this morning, let these reasons humble your heart. Let these reasons bend your knees. And let these reasons open your treasures and worship Emmanuel. Again, I want to encourage you next week. Let's, let's come back next Sunday night, seven o'clock and let's worship. You've got family coming out of town, beg, bribe, threaten them, whatever you got to do, drag them here. Bring them. All right. Now bring them and let's worship and, and think about Christmas the way it was always meant to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your word. Again, thank you for just the reasons. I mean, these are only four. There's many others. Thank you for loving us so much that you would come, leave what you, leave your comfort and come to our discomfort. That you would not only do that, but you'd want to be with us so much, even when we're not thinking of you, you think of us. Even when we feel alone, you're right there. And Father, we pray that we just ask you to help us uh, worship you. Because you rescued us. I know there's Christmas stories that are tragic. But there's also Christmas miracles. And Father this is the greatest of all. That you would come. Send your son. To give his life. He was born to die. So I could live. So we could live. Thank you Father for that. And Father we open our hearts. And we're going to think of ways. How we can adore you. And have reverence to you. As we think of. Christmas. We pray in Christ's name.
1: Amen. Oh Lord, please change my heart. Show me where the star. I want to be all you want me to be. So Lord, please change my heart. Show me So Lord, please make me new, I want to be like you, you are Lord.